during his ministry, Jesus makes some really astonishing promises and commitments to people, ones that we still sometimes struggle to hold on to because they're so astonishing. But I think some of the most astonishing promises that Jesus ever makes are about the Holy Spirit. Listen to these. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. I don't know who else you're going to name in your life that will never leave you. Um, he will always be with you. The Holy Spirit is, the Greek word is paraclete, which is impossible to translate, but here's some attempts. Someone who advocates for you, you need that. Someone who strengthens you, someone who teaches you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit leads into all truth. If you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you'll end up in truth. He will tell you about the future, Jesus says. The Spirit will enable you to prophesy, dream, and vision. The Spirit empowers you to finally fulfill the moral requirements of God's holy law. There's no other way to do it but by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment, Paul says, the, the guarantee that God's going to pay out all the rest, meaning an entirely new creation, and you get an entirely new body, a resurrection body. Anybody looking forward to that? Amen. <laughs> Come on. You're looking forward. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, get this. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit are so amazing that Jesus said to his followers, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. Now, I, for one, cannot think of any reason, any situation that would make it better for Jesus to go away than to stay here. But Jesus says it's actually better for us to have the Holy Spirit. Now, but, Jesus also says clearly that most people will miss out on the Holy Spirit. He says the world cannot receive him. Why not? Because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. I don't know why that is. Maybe people miss out on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is holy. So if you're not interested in holiness, you're not likely to notice him or be attracted. Or maybe because Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And there are some people, are there not, who, to quote Jack Nicholson, can't handle the truth. Okay. So I want to ask this question tonight. How do you and I make sure that we don't miss out on the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit? Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is living in you. I'm not, of course, wonderful. But how do we continue to see and recognize what the Holy Spirit is doing. Or maybe, uh, if you'll allow this analogy, since the Holy Spirit is often symbolized as a dove, we might ask, if we want to spot the Holy Spirit, like what is its native habitat? Where does it, where does it live and where would we be likely to see it? I mean, if you want to see red-winged blackbirds, that's easy. Just go to the cattails along the lagoon at, at Northside and you'll see them. Um, but to find the Holy Spirit, where do you and I look? Well, Christians, as you may know, have a lot of different answers to that question. Some have said, well, look for speaking in tongues. That's the initial evidence. Some emphasize prophesying. 
Others notice if you're in a meeting and you start to cry or shake. Uh, some Christians, like the Quakers or the Plymouth Brethren, say you know where the Holy Spirit is because that's where everything is very simple and plain and unadorned. Meanwhile, the Orthodox and Anglo-Catholics say you'll know where the Holy Spirit is because it's where everything is ornamented and adorned. <laughs> right. Now, uh, what Jesus tells us in tonight's gospel about the natural home of the Holy Spirit transcends those things as much wisdom as they may or may not have. That's not my point tonight, but my point is that what Jesus says, as is so often the case, is surprising. So let's, let's look at this. His, his teaching about this comes on the night he's going to be arrested. The number of death threats and so on that he's been getting have been increasing, and Jesus knows that his time is near. So to reassure his friends, he tells them in our gospel from John 14, and if you look at verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. Meaning you won't have me as your advocate, but I'm going to give you another advocate, basically just like me, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So the first thing that Jesus is highlighting for us as the natural home for the Holy Spirit, it was clearly understood by those 11 people in the room there with him right then, and those who first heard him say it, but it's not so easy for us to actually get what he's saying because of a quirk in the English language. So here's the quirk. If I'm talking to one person, I say you. So I might say, uh, well, it's so good to see you here tonight, Barbara. Okay, you. It's good to see you, meaning just one person. But I can also say you, and it means every person in the room. So I can say, you can meet me after the service in the parking lot. And you doesn't mean one person. It means everybody here who just heard that. Well, which is it here? Jesus is here using plural. So to get a feel for that, and with apologies to my friends from down south, it would be better to say it like this. I will ask the Father, and he will give y'all another advocate. Amen. Who will <laughs> Although, is there a plural, all y'all? Okay, yeah, there is. Okay, but anyway. And, we <laughs> and he will give y'all another advocate who will never leave y'all. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but y'all know him basically because he lives with y'all now and later will be in y'all. No, I will not abandon y'all as orphans. I will come to y'all. You get it? <laughs> the natural habitat for the Holy Spirit is the community of Christians. Now, some people think if you really want to encounter the Holy Spirit, Go, go on a silent retreat. Go on a quest to find yourself. Spend three days or whatever. Now, and those things are wonderful. So you know I love them. I do them myself, and I recommend them for others. But the primary location of the Holy Spirit is among y'all. It's always among this community of ordinary Christians. If you and I want more of the life and presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the best thing we can do is get involved in a church. And the more plain, ordinary it is, the better. Now, this is not like a shocking truth for all of you. You're sitting here. 
But this is, can we just say in passing, not how millions of American Christians think. The famous pollster George Barna wrote a book in which he praised people as revolutionaries who, quote, eliminated church life from their busy schedules. And why did they do that? Well, they didn't find a ministry, quote, that was sufficiently stimulating, unquote, and, quote, their church, although better than average, still seems flat, unquote. So where are these people going? Well, instead of church, Barna says they're, they're going into many movements, such as homeschooling, this is his list, house churches, Bible studies at work, and worship concerts. Now notice that all of those things tend to be smaller groupings in which you probably have more say over who's in the group, and they're short-term. If you want to opt out, no problem, right? So they don't have the burden of local church life where you've got a lot of people very different from you that you have to learn to live with over a long period of time, okay? Now, just so that I'm not too hard on these folks, let's be honest, churches are often a mess, and denominations it can be the same way, and I probably, like you, have had a time in my life when I seriously thought about just bailing on C Church. But if we're looking for the Holy Spirit, the place to look for it is in the y'all. It's always in that community. Looking for the Holy Spirit on my own is like doing synchronized diving on my own. You know, and it's like, oh, nice toe point. That perfectly matched nobody's. (laughs) So, think about the y'all community that Jesus is saying this to. He's looking at 11 ordinary guys. One's already left to betray him. And they are not promising. They've been walking in the hot Mediterranean sun, so they're all sweaty. The only part of them that does not smell now is their feet because Jesus just washed them. And the reason he had the opportunity to wash them is because everybody else, when they realized there was not a servant there that night, looked around and said, I'm not going to wash those other people's feet. They already think they're better than me, and I'm not giving them any ammunition. Then right after Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm going to be leaving. This is my body. They get into a big fight. Well, if he's leaving, who should be the leader of us now? I'm recommending me. And they're fighting in front of him while he's still there about who's going to take over the group leadership as soon as he's gone. But even with all of that mess, Jesus still says the Holy Spirit is being given to y'all. And right where Jesus leaves off, Paul picks up in the the reading you heard from Ephesians, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way y'all live. Remember, he has identified y'all as his own, guaranteeing that you all will be saved on the day of redemption. Again, plural. The power of the Spirit is in the plural, and that's our challenge. Geert Hofstede, the late Dutch social psychologist, can I get a shout-out for Dutch social psychologists? Thank you. Uh He studied individualism around the world. And guess which country has the highest levels of individualism in the world? Huh, how'd you guess that? Us. Us, right. And the most communal countries in the world, where do you think they are? Just a guess. Asia's a good guess, very communal cultures, but actually the top five were all in Latin America. Which is one reason why In the Heights was very refreshing to me. Because every other movie and musical made in America is all about be true to yourself, go for your dream. 
And this one was a little different. If you recall, it was, yeah, be true to yourself, go for your dream. Yes, go to Stanford, but so that you can come back and advocate for your community. Never forget your people, mi gente. With patience and faith, come back and make sure you care for the people that gave you your start. And so Jesus says the Holy Spirit will be in y'all, which means for those of us in the most individualistic society in the world, and quite possibly in history, I would suspect, (laughs) we have to go through a conversion if we're going to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. We have to go from me and Jesus to we and Jesus. There's a phrase in the Barna book, and I reviewed it so you can tell how much I loved it. The personal church of the individual. The personal church of the individual. Those are swear words. What are we talking about? We need each other. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking out, I was out in the parking lot, and one of our friends of the Savior stopped by, and she said, you know, I've been praying for you. And I paused, and she said, and here's kind of the thought that I've had for you as I've been praying for you, and she could not have known. It was spot on. It was the perfect word that I needed at that moment. I've been living out of the faith and hope that that word gave me for the last two weeks. You see, that's where you meet the Holy Spirit is right there. It's why the creed keeps them like this. The first phrase is, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and the very next phrase is what? The Holy Catholic Church. All right. So if we want the Holy Spirit, we've got to find the Holy Spirit in the community of Christians, but not just any community of Christians. Some groups want spirituality, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to find the Holy Spirit. Sad to say. Now notice this. Notice how Jesus begins this teaching about the Holy Spirit and how he ends it. He begins it in verse 15 this way. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit. Then verse 21, he ends it this way. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Did you get that? It starts with obey. It ends with obey. The envelope around the teaching of Jesus on the Holy Spirit says obey on the envelope. The people who take Jesus seriously and try, however imperfectly, to obey his commands are the ones that open the envelope and the power and life of the Holy Spirit come flowing out. So... Is there a desire in whatever Christian community to obey what Jesus commands? Well, we might say, which commandments is Jesus referring to? Well, all of them, which would include things like repent, turn the other cheek, so on. But in the context here, the main commandment that he's given him right here before he has to leave is, I just washed your feet, now you wash each other's feet. I'm giving you this commandment, he says, which is new, meaning it's newly emphasized for you. Love one another as I've loved you. It's love above and beyond every other command. The Holy Spirit is found in the community. Why? Because the community is the only place where I have the opportunity to show you love. And you have the opportunity to show me love. So the fact that that other person irritates you is not bad. That's good because then you have to show more love. You with me? (laughs) Okay. Some years ago, um, a a friend of ours was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was in her early 30s, and the doc started her on chemo. So Karen and I drove by her house one day to just check in and see how she was doing, and uh, we went up to the door and knocked, but nobody came. 
And so, but we knew she was home. Um, and so we opened the door and poked our head in and called for her. And from way upstairs, you could hear just weakly our friend Barb saying, I'm up here, I don't feel too good. So Karen, knowing she was probably in her bedroom, went up by herself to check on her and, and see if she could handle any visitors. And when she got to Barb's bedside, she was leaning over the side of her bed, vomiting into a bucket. And Karen looked and noticed the bucket's already half full. And she said, you, you've been sick for a while, haven't you? Can I clean out your bucket? And she was like, I can't ask you to do that. And Karen's like, well, no, but you need your bucket cleaned, and I'm going to do it. And then she's walking, going, I don't have a very strong stomach, God. <laughs> now that, or something like that, is the native home of the Holy Spirit. All the wonderful things that we want from the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind, they all come rushing in when you and I form a community of believers who will obey the command of Jesus to love. Now, I think this is actually news. <laughs> I don't know if this message has gotten through to the Christian community. And, and I understand, it's a hard one, right? I mean, I'm not so big on menial service. <laughs> I, like, I like other things. But here's what I think we tend to sub in for as Americans instead, when we look for the Holy Spirit, rather than like menial daily service, like pouring juice into the little plastic cups so we can have communion tonight, or going through after the service and picking up the bulletin that got dropped on the floor, we love excitement. Is it really a coincidence that so many of the horrifying crashes of Christian leaders of recent times have come from exciting churches? or exciting ministries. And Jesus said, you're not going to find the Holy Spirit so much in the person who's an amazing communicator and has a lot of clicks and likes and whatever, whatever. You don't count the number of campuses. What are we looking for? We're looking for the community around Jesus of simple, ordinary people who very imperfectly are nonetheless trying to obey the command of Jesus to love. That's where the Holy Spirit comes rushing in. And that is simple. And it is surprising. And it takes us all to maybe a different place. But as uh, G.K. Chesterton put it, the late, great G.K. Chesterton, uh, the person who enters a small community enters a large world. Now, Savior, I do have to really affirm you. I think this is a teaching you all believe in. I think Bill and Linda planted it here. I think you gathered around that vision and you have helped extend it and you're teaching me about this vision. So this is one where I get to just thank you and, and affirm you all. Um, but here's what I think will happen. When we take that approach to looking for the work and power of the Holy Spirit, I think we will all be surprised. In the midst of our days and weeks and routines, we'll be surprised by little moments of joy, little moments of goodness. Sometimes we'll be surprised that they come up in ourselves. Sometimes we'll be surprised that they came up in somebody else, somebody we didn't expect maybe to do that. And we will start to see answers to prayer that we would not have thought to ask. So may the Lord just invite us more deeply tonight into that kind of living community of the Holy Spirit. Amen.